The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. I am Sai, and joining me as always is our, well, slightly redundant this week, because he hasn't got a Saturday night to look at, because it was looked at last week, but our Saturday night expert anyway, uh, the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, mate, and we are indeed Saturday-less today, so yeah, I'm doing really well. Yes, <laughs> How about we are. You? I'm all right, mate, I'm all right, not too bad. Uh, looking forward to getting into this show with you, because... I think that uh, overall, last week we looked well. Last week we looked at Halloween Havoc '96, and I think overall it was a great show. Yeah. We we had moments we could pick apart in it, but we both gave it a big hit. We both enjoyed it yeah. and so on. So the fallout from the pay per view I always find quite intriguing because this is now setting up where we're heading next and so on. And I think this is quite a mixed bag. This episode of Nitro, but uh, it's going to be very interesting to see your thoughts as well. Uh, the episode of Nitro we are discussing is, as I mentioned, the one directly after the Halloween Havoc 1996 pay-per-view. First broadcast on the October 28th, Monday evening of 1996, uh, receiving a 3.6 in the television ratings to Raw's flat 2.0. So Nitro has got quite a bit of a jump there compared to last week, whereas Raw has taken a little bit of a hit. On Monday Night Raw, we had Jesse James defeating Salvatore Sincere. Oh, dear me. Crush defeated Aldo Montoya. Billy Gunn defeated Freddie Joe Floyd. And in the main event, Shawn Michaels defeated the British Bulldog by disqualification. Um, Something else that went on on the show, there was an announcement that Brian Pillman was recovering from injuries sustained by Steve Austin the day before during an attack on WWF superstars and would be interviewed at his home the following week. Moments later, apparently... Austin threatened to be there as well. So we all know what next week is on Monday Night Raw, don't we, Danny? We certainly do, mate. And it seems like WWF are going that in that more realistic um, type of um, content now, aren't they? Well, I, I don't know about realistic. I mean, we're, we're referencing next week that, you know, 
Austin's going to turn up at Pillman's house and Pillman's going to have a, a fucking gun. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I was edgier, maybe the uh, yeah the way. Yeah, but we're still we're still a long way off where they obviously end up. But October of '96, we're starting to. I mean, the the, the card itself for, for Raw on this night seemed like the standard stuff we've been talking about over the last couple of months. But knowing yeah. we've got Pillman and Austin at Pillman's house next week. That's a definite sort of a, a signpost to a change in direction there, isn't it, I think? It really is, mate. And Freddie Joe Floyd, my God. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Oh, dear. Uh, we begin this episode of Nitro, though, with a recap of Halloween Havoc. And we have the still images as the commentators talk over the top about what is going on. And this is a reoccurring theme throughout the whole episode of Nitro, Danny, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is, mate. And it's like they just hammer hammer it in, like saying, "Oh, order the replay, order the um, buy the pay per view tomorrow again, just uh, to see what you've um, missed." But by the end of this, um, I don't know about that strategy, shy, because it's like, like um, you're you're finding out everything that happened on the pay per view on Nitro. Why would you go and uh, buy it when you already know everything that's gone on? I mean, what do you think about that? Um, I I suppose they can't really do much else because yeah. if you're a fan of WCW and you've not bought the pay-per-view on the Sunday for whatever reason, you're going to tune into Nitro and find out results anyway just because of what you're seeing on your screen during the show. Oh, yeah. Now... The the sort of replay market, the, the sort of second chance market in, in pay-per-views back in this era and, and previous times to this resulted in quite a big chunk of income for both companies. And this model did seem to work in that they would show you still images of what happened. The commentators would hype the crap out of it and people would buy the replay Enable to, I think. They, I think it used to be on a at, at a um, a reduced price to the original oh. purchase, but not not by much. It was a smaller amount, and people would buy it to see and watch what everyone was talking about, because obviously this is the days before on demand and streaming services and all that good stuff. Of course, where you can just watch replay wherever. Now, I think with regards to that, I mean, you've also got the advent of of very early internet wrestling sites and and the dirt sheets and, and all that sort of stuff so wcwwrestling.com as their website was called at that point would already be displaying results and images for you so if you're a big fan and you've missed the pay-per-view for whatever reason i think you're always going to find out the results and what went on before the date of the on-call presentation on presentation sorry yeah so to speak so at least they're not showing you video clips, I guess, because if you're showing video clips, and I guess you really are giving it all away for nothing. And, yeah. it, you know, it makes people, if you're going to find it all out on, if you're going to see the finish to all the matches and all the big stunts and so on in video format on the Nitro, I imagine that would actually hurt the Sunday night live pay-per-view buy rates as well, because people would be like, well, why am I going to buy it on the Monday, on the Sunday? I'll just find out what happened on Nitro. So this way, I guess they're keeping it. It's as much of a teaser or an advert for it 
as they can give without giving away giving away what people are hopefully going to be purchasing i suppose i got you yeah not her to argue with success if that brought in a lot of money yeah definitely it's the right move <laughs> but yeah i mean i, I get d- different pay-per-views and and different different times of year different companies and so on the amount it bought in would vary uh, I've heard Bischoff and uh, Bruce Pritchard on their various shows say that certain pay-per-views with on-call presentations could bring in a third again in regards to pay-per-view buys, which is quite a substantial amount. And then there was also times when I think it was um, uh, Bruce Pritchard talking about WWF shows in that they considered stop doing on-call presentations because they just weren't getting any money from it at all. So I'm assuming it was quite a unstable, unreliable market. It would, be, it would fluctuate quite a great deal depending on what was going on. But yeah. to me, if you've got if you've got the product already there, recorded, ready to go, you're not spending out any more money on the production of the show, the filming of the show, the broadcast of the show, live anyway, um, the arena, or, or, or even the talent for that matter. They've all been paid. So if you are just buying a couple of hours extra pay-per-view time a few days later... Your overheads, I think, for the rerun are incredibly low in comparison to what they are for the initial showing of the pay-per-view. So it is almost like what what you get from the rerun is just pure profit in comparison to the initial layouts for the original original Sunday night showing, I suppose. Yeah, I've got you, mate. Mm, Okay. Uh, We got a lot of talk as well about Roddy Piper here from uh, larry zabisco who is for some reason sporting a superman t-shirt i don't quite understand that and uh, of course tony shivani who is our lead commentator for the first hour and they're talking about piper turning up and it, again it's a running theme throughout this episode all the commentators talk about it in that apparently piper requested five minutes of television time to talk to hogan and that was it he's not signed to a contract He's not got, got any role with WCW going forward. They just decided to give him five minutes on their pay-per-view to talk to Hogan. Now, that's a bit of a weird one for me. I don't remember really... It, I don't remember another occasion where this has been used as a kind of storyline arc for an incoming talent. Can, can you, Danny? No, not at all, but it's very, very logical. Um Especially that knowing the fact that everyone knows the history between Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan, it can be very um, believable. But no, I've never heard of something like that before. Mm, it's, yeah, and they also state as well that it it was a five minutes of airtime Piper requested, and we know we we went long. Let's be honest. And um, <laughs> we we also are told as well that we're going to get an unedited replay of what happened on this episode of Nitro if we hang around till the end of the show. Now, this, of course, goes against everything we've just discussed with regards to the the replay and showing still images to try and tempt people to buy the pay-per-view and so on. But at the same time, I can understand the motivations here because the talk about Piper being at the pay-per-view and then teasing it right the way through Nitro and saying, we will show you this footage soon. We will show you this, you know, this uncut footage from the pay-per-view soon is a hook to keep people on the channel that is broadcasting Nitro and not turning over to WWE. So I can understand why, even though it's a bit of a contradiction to what we were just discussing, I can understand why they're doing that. Yeah, 
Yeah, and if you just compare it to last year where the biggest talking point was the mummy running down and humping Hulk Hogan and the giant, um, and then you fast forward a year later and we've got Roddy Piper taking up too much pay-per-view time. (laughs) Yeah, okay, straight up then, straight choice, one or the other. Would you rather have the Yeti run down and dressed as a mummy and and basically bumfuck Hulk Hogan? (laughs) Or... Would you listen to Roddy Piper rambling on nonsense for 15 minutes? You can only keep one. What are you having? It has to be Piper because he's so damn good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was rambling nonsense, but it was it was better nonsense, I think, is the yes. way to potentially word it. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Our opening contest is for the WCW Television Championship. Uh, we haven't seen this well, we haven't seen this title or this champion in Steven Regal for quite a long time. Apparently, Regal has been touring America, uh, sorry, touring Europe, Japan, and Mexico, defending the championship. I call bullshit on that. <laughs> well, Sai, I have some news for you. The only place he toured was NJPW since September 19th all the way to. Uh, October the 20th but nothing about Europe nothing about Mexico it was basically only in Japan (laughs) right okay I wonder how many shows he wrestled as well but um, (laughs) I think he did six altogether ah okay so that's hardly an extensive tour that keeps you off your own company's television for a few months is it yeah i don't know yeah. maybe i mean mr regal obviously had certain issues and was in that rehab for certain periods of his life perhaps this was an issue here as well i don't know i'm, I'm not familiar with the timeline completely but that could come into it i suppose yeah. but uh it, it is great to see regal back on nitro danny isn't it oh it really is mate i was just doing research about it and i was like oh he hasn't been on television since august the 20th um, on nitro so it was really nice to uh, see him come out here and he did not miss a beat in this match no and he is wrestling uh Hubertude guerrera who in a way you could argue this is a bit of a clash of styles but the little time they get i mean they get little in-ring time and then even less of that in-ring time with a camera pointing at them because of stuff that goes on during the match. But what I saw, it looked decent enough. Um, this is because of certain people arriving and and making their presence known. The first of all, the first of those being Sting. He is up in, not necessarily in the rafters, but he's at the back of the arena watching on. Uh, the NWO sign brigade arrive. And Six is also there. And he's talking on the microphone about how certain championship belts will be coming his way. But then he turns to Sting and says he needs to make the right choice. And NWO is for life. Before Sting just walks away. He's got no interest in in engaging at all. The camera goes on him and Sting just kind of disappears. So that's you know an interesting aspect to the Sting character already. He's not saying anything, but what he's doing is pretty pretty dramatic, Danny, isn't it? It really is, mate, and it's the first time we've seen him with the full face of paint as well. Um, and it was just like, wow, this is where it debuted. I've never seen this before, um, where he was just, this is where that look basically debuted. I mean, we're not fully there yet with the black lines and everything, but he just looked a menace, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. I, I got, My memories of all this are kind of fuzzy. 
and you do kind of forget things and your mind plays tricks on you and obviously you get the whole revisionist history that wwe promotes and so on yeah i didn't think we saw sting for quite a while i thought sting was gone out the way for a while and the return and all that was much much later down the road and maybe it still is but these initial sightings of him i completely forgot about so it was really interesting for me seeing Sting up, uh, you know, in these early days of this Crow character. Uh, Huvi Guerrero looks looks sharp. He hits a Hurricane Rana, a few slams before he misses a 450 splash, which then leads to Regal applying the Regal stretch and winning by submission. And that's kind of it, really, isn't it? There's not masses else to discuss with this match. No, not at all. But. Um... If we go back to this, um, we've since the NWO have really got hot. Is like, can you imagine being? Uh, I mean, you never know if both of these workers are like, oh, we want an easy night. But if you're William Regal and you've been off television for a couple months, and then you come back and this is what you come back to, I would be a bit disappointed. So, yeah, yeah, not getting the camera on yourself to a, uh, you know, showcase what you can do. I guess, yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, William Regal is apparently going to be interviewed by Tony Schiavone, but leaves in the wrong direction. So we don't get that interview, <laughs> which is just brilliant WCW nonsense. Um, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> what I also loved about this as well, that was just absolute nonsense, was what followed. We get an advert for WCW merchandise. And it's what the big boys are wearing, apparently, Danny. And we have the faces of fear advertising these T-shirts, but they have subtitles. And I just thought this is so stupid, but so brilliant. <laughs> it's very, very memorable. Um, I love this. Yeah, they, you could tell they were definitely having a laugh making this. I mean, I wonder if what they say in the subtitles was actually what they were saying. Because one of them <laughs> says it's really hard wearing and washes well and the colours stay vivid. And it's like, I can't imagine Haki or the Barbarian saying that. I'm go- we're going to have to get a translator, definitely. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Um, we got our, we got our, well, our second recap of the pay-per-view, a look at Arn Anderson and Lex Luger and all that went on at Halloween Havoc between those two. Uh, before we see um, DDP, and he is taking on Mike Enos. And Mike Enos, again, surprises me here. I think he does pretty well, Danny. Yeah, he certainly does. Um I thought this was just going to be a squash, but this was actually quite the lengthy match. Um, yeah, I was just very shocked, especially with the start out with um, Paige and um, Mikey Nos slapping each other. It was like, oh, actually, Mikey Nos is actually fighting back quite well. Um, yeah, and then we get um, two guys who show up as well, don't we, Si? We do indeed. We do indeed. Uh, the slap that you mentioned at the very beginning, though, uh, I really liked that because it was... The match was being set up and the beginning of the match was like the guys were going through the motions, your usual start to a wrestling contest. They go for their uh, collar and elbow tie-up before DDP pulls back and laughs at him a little bit and then just slaps his face. Really creative <laughs> stuff. Really creative stuff. Um, we yeah. see the the sort of sit-out powerbomb, almost a Liger bomb style effort by DDP and a top rope clothesline, which looks spectacular. Because, I mean, you've got to bear in mind the size of the two guys who are in the ring here. And that's when the outsiders arrive. DDP is distracted and Enos hits a pretty impressive looking belly to belly overhead suplex to take control of the match. Uh, we have a neck breaker from Enos as well. 
before we start start spending time calling the NWO down to the ring, and he's actually showing a bit of character here. He's actually showing a bit of charisma, and I quite liked this from Mike Enos. What were you thinking at this point? Very, very cool. Um, I loved that Mike Enos hit a reverse jawbreaker on DDP. That's a move you don't see a lot. Um, am I? I don't know. Sir. Are we actually seeing a Mikey Nos push here? Because this is like the I think about the third match he's had since he's um, well, singles match he's had well, that's gone definitely longer than five minutes. We might be onto something here, sir, si, with Mikey Nos. Has he won any of them? No. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the finish of this as well. Enos goes for a kind of running power slam effort, kind of similar to the British Bulldogs finisher back in the day. But Page uses his long legs to hook his feet over the top rope so that he can't he can't be carried forward for the power slam and then drops out of it, but he's kind of upside down, twists the whole thing around into a diamond cutter. And I was just like, why? That was that was fantastic. And I love the way, I know the cliche is RKO out of nowhere, of course, but I love the way that we're getting more and more, I suppose, creative ways of Paige hitting the diamond cutter from different scenarios. And as soon as he does, you know it's over. I love that. Yeah. It's it's a very protected finisher, isn't it, at the moment? Yes, yes without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, the outsiders, though, they're they're cheering for Diamond Dallas Page, which is interesting. Are they trying to recruit Danny? Do you think? I think so. Um, I think they see where the money is with DDP, and they're just like, we got to get this guy on, and that's something that goes on throughout most of this um, episode. Is NWR um, the announcers, commentators saying, "Oh, who could they have next? Who could they have next?" I think DDP would be a good acquisition. Yeah, yeah, fair shot. We get yet another pay-per-view recap here, and it's looking at the Cruiserweight title contest before our Cruiserweight champion makes his entrance, and he is taking on Jim Powers, accompanied by uh, Teddy Long here. And, I mean, this is a bit of a... We spoke about it in the opener, with potentially having a bit of a you know mismatch of, of styles. Malenko and Powers, I think, are kind of similar. Malenko, I think, is good enough to work with anyone. Jim Powers, I feel... He's a little bit more restricted with his ring style, his ring work, uh, before we see Psychosis come out to the ramp and he is watching on. So obviously he's interested in the Cruiserweight Championship there. Dean Malenko eventually does take control with some stomps and a chin lock before Jim Paris fights back with an atomic drop, a pretty impressive looking power slam. He kind of jumps me there into this power slam. That looks very good. Before a, a, a cover attempt is made, but bloody Nick Patrick is distracted again. And then when he finally turns around, Dean Malenko wins with a, with a cradle-type roll-up effort, which leads again to Nick Patrick arguing with Teddy Long at ringside. And then we go away from that for, for more recaps from the pay-per-view. What did you think of this match here, Danny? Really enjoyed it, mate. A tad bit too short, but there was a lot of story delivered in it. We, we learn from commentary that... Conan is also interested in Dean, Dean Malenko's championship as well as um, obviously psychosis. And then we've got this Nick Patrick um, screwing over Jim Powers angle still going on. So, yeah, a lot lot is happening with these guys. Conan is interested in, the, in Dean Malenko's title. Yes, that's what Tony Schiavone said. What's the bloody weight limit for their cruiserweight division? 
<laughs> um, I mean, Conan must be what two sixty. That's never a cruise. Yeah. yeah, he was the um, television champion for a while, wasn't he? And the and the United States title holder, yeah. Yeah, and the Mexican uh, championship as well. So <laughs> oh yes, of it's course. a bit weird. <laughs> Yeah, oh, there you go. Um, the recap we get at the pay per view is stuff to do with the Four Horsemen, the Dungeon of Doom, uh, the tag match they had there, and then the woman and Kevin Sullivan interactions. So that is obviously being done very much with you know the viewers in mind. If they're reminding us of it on the Monday night, it's something they we are wishing us to notice, Danny, isn't it? It really is, mate. And it's just packing more story as the weeks go on. So that's always mm-hmm. a good thing. The following match I find really strange because we've got Jeff Jarrett and he is still relatively new in his WCW run here in 96. and He's siding with the Horseman, which in theory makes him a baby face because they're battling the NWO. But he still comes across very heelish in certain aspects of what he does. And then he's wrestling Ricky Morton here who is the perennial babyface wrestler, you know, one of the you know, greatest babyfaces of all time, especially in tag team wrestling. Jeff Jarrett spends the whole match wrestling heel before eventually winning via submission and beating the babyface via submission, and then reverts back to a babyface style when he talks to the giant who turns up halfway through the match on the mic and, and runs down the horseman on the microphone and so on. Jarrett has a has an interview with Tony Schiavone, and he, he's taking the Halloween Havoc match almost as a victory, even though he lost via disqualification because he didn't get choke slammed. And talks about how he's going to get the NWO and so on. I can't figure out what we're doing here with Jeff Jarrett, Danny. Can can you shed any light on this? No, that's a note that I made was like, is Jeff Jarrett back to being a heel, or is he just turned heel now? Um, this was very odd, uh, but I do no- I did notice that the fans were at times into Jeff Jarrett, and then at other times they weren't into Jeff Jarrett. So I think it's confusing on all ends. Yeah, and again, I'm all for that kind of shades of grey that we've spoken about on the show on numerous occasions. We don't just need it to be, you know, two ends of the spectrum, good guy, bad guy. Of course not, but it's a little bit as a wrestling fan watching I, I don't quite know what we're doing with Jarrett it just seems a little bit odd to me yeah yeah it doesn't help himself as well I think with the promo because he stumbles over his words a few times and it, it comes across a bit rambly as well doesn't it yeah it certainly does but we got to the message of um WCW needs to unite against the NWO yeah there we go uh, our next match is a tag team contest, and we have the team of High Voltage, and they are taking on the amazing French Canadians, who are, of course, the Quebecers from WWF fame not too long before this. High Voltage start the match very fast uh, before we get the countdown clock taking us into hour two and our change of commentary team uh, as normal. But the match doesn't really go anywhere we got a few good spots from the from the amazing french canadians like the, the top rope um, double moves and the the body slamming of one onto the other and so on before the bloody nasty boys turn up and just run everyone out of the place and grab the microphone and again i i don't really know what's going on here they slag off hogan for not letting them into the nwo 
And then they talk about Sting and saying Sting doesn't really belong anywhere. Piper doesn't really belong anywhere. We don't belong anywhere, but make sure you know that we are nasty. And it's like, but you spoke for weeks and weeks previously about how you're not WCW, you're not NWO, you're just the nasty boys. And then you busted your ass to join the NWO. <laughs> so in, so fans should hate you for that. If we're going by the, the, you know, the fact that the NWO is supposed to be the heels in this scenario, the fans should hate the nasty boys for trying to join the NWO. But now it feels like they're trying to get sympathy from the fans for not being allowed into the NWO. That's a really odd way of trying to get any form of reaction from the crowd for me. Yeah, um, I think the same as you just compared it to the Jeff Jarrett, um, the uh, basically how that match flowed with the Nasty Boys. I think it's oh, it's just time for them to go away, Si, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like, but th- speaking of this match, it didn't even feel like this match belonged on Saturday night. It felt like this was a WCW Pro match. Um, I mean, high voltage. Uh, they've been on, they've been, uh, well, they've been here since about um, July time, uh, August. And I'm just not impressed with them. Do you like um, high voltage, Si? Um, I mean, I can see an upside to them. They look great. You know, they got the bodies. They they look yeah. like pro wrestlers. I, I don't think they should be on live TV yet. I think they could they could be working other shows. I think they need a bit more time under their belts before they're on, on live television. I can see an upside to them. I can see why maybe they're in this match, because this match is always going to go to a non-finish when the Nasty Warriors run out and lay waste to everybody. Yeah, so I could, so it's not like they're coming out and beating up Harlem Heat and hurting Harlem Heat. They're beating up a tag team that aren't quite established yet. So I can understand where why WWE would book it that way, but I just kind of find them a bit bland and a bit. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like when you know if you remember when John Cena first came into into wrestling, yeah. and challenged. Well, I say if you remember, of course I do. It's right up your street. <laughs> this is the ruthless aggression here, isn't it? And he, yeah. and he challenged. Kurt Angle on that episode of SmackDown. And he was a guy who had a fantastic body, had the nice smile, had the, the sort of very almost jobber-esque, uh, nondescript ring gear. Had nothing about him other than the fact that he could look like a pro wrestler, potentially. That's how I feel like high voltage here. It's almost like they need something more to them to make me care. Yeah. And we also get an announcement in this match um, from Eric Bischoff, who says the Macho Man uh, was supposed to be here, but he left already. And I was thinking, that doesn't make sense. He was supposed to be here, but he left. Um, So it's weird because like a lot of fans would um, not pay attention during this match. But Eric Bischoff just drops that little line in commentary Mm. um, to say, yeah, Macho Man's not going to be at the building tonight. Yeah, I bet Bischoff regrets giving him that guaranteed contract now, doesn't he? <laughs> the, amount of times he's, the amount of times he's not bothering to turn up for work, bloody hell. You know, talk about take advantage of sick pay. My God, Randy, get to work, do something. You know, so, <laughs> uh, somebody who does turn up for work, however, and does something and is, I think, 
and this is going to sound really, really strange considering how I spoke about him in a previous episode here on Nitro Nights, is maybe Loki the star of this episode of Nitro. And that's Jimmy Graffiti. <laughs> this guy comes out and he's wrestling Rey Mysterio. Now, this is again where Eric Bischoff hammers home the, the point of um, Roddy Piper asked for five minutes, that's it, and he's not linked to us and all that sort of stuff, but whatever. And ultimately, Rey Mysterio wins the match with the West Coast Pop, as he has done in numerous other contests he's had on Nitro. Jimmy Graffiti here, he puts on possibly one of the best showings I've seen this guy put in. I mean, I'm talking about as Jimmy Del Rey in, in you know, Smoky Mountain and, and, and so on as well. He looked bloody brilliant in this match. He really did, mate. I mean, he hit a huge powerbomb in this match. Um, yeah, yeah, I was a big fan of him. And hopefully we get to see more of him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much more we do, how much more he's hanging around for. But yeah, I was really impressed. And he was, he was. I mean, it's not. He's not a big guy, but at the same time, he's not built like your stereotypical cruiserweight, like a Ray or whatever. But he's flying about the place, isn't he? And I thought he looked really good in this. Perhaps I, yeah. perhaps I judged him a bit too harshly on the first encounter we saw him in. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't good, was it? <laughs> no, it was not. It was not. Um, this is followed by. Two adverts, one that I love because it's an NWO shirt advert and we're told as well you can now buy a baseball cap, so that's always fun. And then we're followed by an advert for people to buy tickets in Detroit for next week's Nitro by Lee Marshall, who apparently was in Detroit a week early, just seeing what the fans are up to, when in reality he's backstage talking on a microphone (laughs) and not in Detroit at all because they're all fucking liars. Yes. It's just pointless, isn't it? Absolutely pointless. But there we go. I wonder how, I wonder if, if anyone watching Nitro on this night saw this moment with Lee Marshall, supposedly in Detroit, celebrating with WCW fans, as he said it. Uh, I wonder if anyone went, do you know what? Lee Marshall's right. I'm going to buy a ticket. <laughs> I wonder if there was a single ticket sold because of Lee Marshall. I would be surprised. And me. <laughs> and me. Uh, um, after this, we get told that Chris Benoit is hurt and injured, and so is Eddie Guerrero after the pay per view matches. They both took uh, some quite dangerous bumps and have had some quite serious injuries occur. But they are both still here, and they're both going to come to the ring taped up and work against each other. Uh, but during this match, we are told by Eric Bischoff that Hulk Hogan has demanded interview time and he will be here at the end of the pay-per-view. Uh, sorry, end of the pay-per-view. My goodness. At the end of the Nitro to discuss Roddy Piper and what happened at the pay-per-view. Uh, Guerrero and Benoit both come to the ring heavily taped up. Uh, Mongo McMichael and his wife Deborah also come out to have a little watch about what's going on. We get a picture-in-picture promo from Kevin Sullivan, and he again is talking about women and Chris Benoit. So this is the second... Well, if you include the pay-per-view the night before, this is the third mention of this in two days, Danny, isn't it? It really is, mate. And yeah, I'm just more excited about this. Um, This match, I'm telling you after it, anyone watching this match... You'll need a couple of painkillers to get through it because it is <laughs> it's a very painful watch. You've got Eddie Guerrero taped up, you've got Chris Benoit taped up, you've got the referee taped up and selling as well. And it's like, wow. It's bad, isn't it? And and it's incredible because Benoit, 
uh, and I, I, it's, it's so tiring having to do this, but I do feel every time we mention Benoit, whether it's for this show, uh, Chain Wrestling, or any other show that, you know, Benoit's name gets mentioned, I feel it does have to come with a disclaimer that the guy, the way his life ended and and the way he was at the end of his life with regards to his family is disgusting. The guy was vile and horrid and it's just, there's no, and all that stuff that usually comes almost as a Benoit disclaimer, I suppose. But in this era and then going right the way forward to 2004, 2005 in WWE, I was, I was all about Benoit. He's the type of wrestler doing the type of wrestling I loved. Eddie Guerrero, of course, incredibly entertaining as well in various guises and can put on a fantastic contest with virtually anybody. However, here, it comes back to that phrase we use on the show so, so often, Danny. It's just punchy, kicky bullshit, isn't it? It really was, mate. It was a very slow match, but that's obviously because of the pay-per-view the night before. But you just have to give credit to both of these guys because unlike the Macho Man, these two actually showed up. The thing is, if they're both, I, I, I don't know what they're trying to achieve with this. I don't get it because, I mean, we'll talk about the two, the two moments at the end first of all. Okay, woman gets on the apron, distracts Nick Patrick, the referee. Mongo uses the case. Benoit wins. Okay, Nick Patrick is then with his attorney, and Tony Schiavone is interviewing him, and. Nick Patrick's attorney is saying that um, this is terrible the way he's being spoken about. It's slander and it's all Chris Jericho's fault. Chris Jericho comes out and they have a bit of an interaction there. And then Teddy Long comes out and runs his mouth as well before we go to an ad, ad break. All of that could have been done without Benoit and Eddie Guerrero in the ring. Yeah. You could have had anyone else wrestling and still bought out Jericho and Teddy Long after the fact. You could have had a screwy finish with the referee not paying attention in any other match. So you've got to look at it. To me, there's two ways of looking at it. One, are these guys legit injured? Or maybe not even injured. Are they sore from what happened at the pay-per-view? Which meant that this match kind of sucked. If that's the case, don't bloody book them in it then. Yeah. You've got plenty of, ros- you know, plenty of talent on the roster sat there. Or two, are they fine? And they're overselling injuries from the night before. In which case, they can do that in an interview segment, and we haven't got to sit through this crap, get somebody <laughs> else on the show. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I totally get you, mate. But one thing I will say about Nick Patrick's attorney, Alan Sharp, is he had some decent mic skills, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he weren't bad. He weren't bad. Did you enjoy this whole segment with, with the attorney and so on? Yeah, yeah, I, I like it because it's further in the story of um, Nick Patrick. And now Nick Patrick's getting involved with Chris Jericho. Um, and it's like, yeah, I loved when Jericho was giving Nick Patrick a telling off. So has Jericho been um, placed into maybe where Jim Powers was going to be? So that's an interesting question. I don't know about where Jim Powers was going to be. I'm not sure. I don't really know if Jim Powers was ever going to be that prominent on the television at this stage. But I do like the fact that we've got Jericho something to do now. Yes. Because just coming out to that incredibly cheesy 80s music and clapping his hands and going, come on, let's go. And and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) 
it was wearing thin the first time we saw it, never mind the fifth or sixth time we saw it. But now we've got Jericho with something to actually do. I'm a big fan of that, and I'm, I'm really intrigued to see where we head with this. Yeah, totally, mate. And Teddy Long is now being accused of slander, so he seemed a bit worried, didn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a funny one because all the arguments that are happening between Teddy Long and Nick Patrick, I mean, first of all, I don't think we need to see it every week. It's getting a bit tiresome. It, it's, it's sort of move forward with it or stop doing it at this point for me. Yeah. Um, but Teddy Long, I suppose, has got the right to feel aggrieved because his guys aren't winning their matches and Nick Patrick is missing certain decisions and so on. But when he's missing a pinfall or a finish to a match because he's just holding his neck. I can fully appreciate where Teddy Long is coming from. Yeah. When he, and this is what happens the majority of the time when he's missing a potential finish or pinfall or Teddy Long's guy winning the match because somebody is on the apron, including Teddy Long himself. He's got no right to moan at all. Cause Nick Patrick in reality is actually doing his job. <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> So it doesn't really make sense to me. But it's a bit yeah. of an odd one, but we'll definitely see where it goes. We will indeed. We will indeed. Um, up next, we have a match that for 96 is a bit of an odd pairing, but it's going to go on and happen quite a lot in WCW in future years. We have Lex Luger, and he is wrestling Booker T in Solo's competition. Uh, the interesting thing for me when Booker T makes his entrance, Danny, is that there's no Colonel Parker, there's no Stevie Ray. It's just Booker T and Sherry. And how fantastic did they look? Oh, they just looked brilliant, mate. And I did, speaking of entrances, when Lex Luger came out, did you hear the roof blow off? Luger's over, man. Luger's yeah. over. And again, I think you... If you take this episode of Nitro, obviously Savage isn't there, but he's just lost to Hogan. You know, your sting isn't really active, so you don't know where he stands. There's an argument here. Is Luger the number one babyface at the moment? Piper's not mm-hmm. got going yet. So is, is Luger the guy at the moment? That's a very good... Uh, I never thought about that, actually. Yeah, I guess he would be at, at this very precise moment. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see this Lex Luger try to battle Hollywood Hogan. I hope that happens soon. Mm, yeah interesting uh luger basically just dominates this match doesn't he he dominates right from the off booker t trips to the outside quite a few times to get away from him um uh, booker t eventually does get a little bit of offense in with a, with a side slam and a chin lock um there's a i think he's an american football player isn't he ac green is that was he a football yeah. player or basketball player yes yeah football was it uh, no basketball basketball okay fair enough yeah um he is incredibly animated on the outside in an NWO shirt. And because he's so tall, whenever he stands up, you know, he stands out an absolute mile. And he has various arguments with Booker T and Sherry and so on, which was quite a nice touch. He was really into it, which was which was cool. Uh, Booker T, with this tiny little bit of control in the match he has, goes for the really impressive Harlem hangover, that forward flip leg drop effort from the top rope. Luger moves, though, so the move is missed. Luger signals for the rack. But then there's Sting again. And Sting st- stood up at the top of the, uh, well, I don't know what you call it, top of the steps where the, where the crowd would come in at the back of the arena watching. 
Luger sees this and, and runs up the steps and Sting is gone. And it's Booker T wins the match by count out because Luger runs off and celebrates like he's absolutely destroyed Luger, which tickled me a little bit. That was quite funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting little uh, footnote to the show as well. We've seen Sting a couple of times. Whenever attention has been drawn to him, he's skulked away into the shadows. And here, Luger is desperate to get to him, whether to talk to him or what, we don't know. And Sting just disappears again. I thought this was really well done. It really was, mate. And it just goes back to what you were saying earlier at the beginning of the episode. We're visiting this history from WWE. You had never, I had never known that this little angle played a part of WCW where, where Lex Luger is um, very interested to speak to Sting. And to the point where he's running out of matches now and costing himself. A, mm. a full match here. And it's like, wow, I really want to see what happens next between them two. Yeah, I'm me. I'm me. It's really intriguing. I mean, I'm I'm also fully invested in Luger at the moment. Uh, I think you know he's been there for the the biggest issue with me. Well, the biggest downside to the NWO storyline for me was that we never got the Sting Luger odd couple tag team storyline resolved because the NWO yeah. started, so it was kind of dropped. That was a really interesting story. But then since the NWO has been on the scene, Luger's been really prominent in that as well. He's always been there or thereabouts in some of the most important storylines since Nitro began. I mean, you go back to the very first episode of Nitro, he turns up and he confronts Hulk Hogan. The following week, he's wrestling Hogan. He's then involved with battles with and against Flair and the Horsemen. Yeah. Uh, we've constantly got this, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Are him and Sting going to work together or turn on each other when they were tag team champions? Then we get the NWO stuff. Now we've got this stuff here. It's basically, we're in, Octo- we're in October of 96. So Nitro is a year and a month old. Luger has been a huge player for this company since the very first episode of Nitro, hasn't he? Yeah, he really has. I mean, he had a fantastic feud with the Giant even, and he's battled against um, the Dungeon of Doom. He hasn't missed a, a beat here, sir. No, no, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, um, what follows, however, isn't quite so good. Eric Bischoff again reiterates that Roddy Piper wanted five minutes at the pay-per-view, which they gave him. And then he says, here is the whole segment unedited. So I'm thinking, well, it's going to be more than five minutes then, Eric, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> and I've just got a, a, a note here on my uh, on my laptop in front of me where, where I make my notes as I'm watching these episodes back, just saying, why why are we watching this again? It was terrible enough the first time round. <laughs> and we get, and again, to me, the fact that he was really hammering home, we've got this unedited for you. I know he's trying to make it a, a selling point to say you can look at something that's been on the pay-per-view without having to buy the pay-per-view. But this wouldn't happen on WWF or WWE television. This would be so heavily edited and produced. Yeah. All the, the rambling dross would get cut out. The mm. repetitive nonsense when Hogan and Piper are ranting at each other where they keep going over the same stuff would get cut out. It would be made more concise and then by literally by that, it would become more interesting. Whereas here, WCW are like, we're going to play the whole damn thing again, and we apologise, we're bores the piss at you for a second time, but here it is. <laughs> well, they could always flip over and see Freddie Joe Floyd in action on Raw. <laughs> <sighs> 
Yeah, good shite. Good shite. The segment kind of ends funny because we've got the NWO music playing as we're still seeing footage from Halloween Havoc. And we return back to the arena and the NWO are coming out. But we end up with just Hogan in the ring. And he's with DiBiase. And he's talking about Piper being scared of him. He's the best ever and blah, blah, blah. And then says he's going to entertain the fans and just poses for a bit. And the show goes off the air. I thought this was a really, really strange ending to this episode of Nitro, Danny. It really was, mate. But the biggest takeaway from this um, segment, other than Hogan must pose, um, it has to be the. this is the first time we've seen Hollywood Hogan with that iconic NWO t-shirt. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, so I found that was a quite nice little Easter egg. And the fact that he says that he will now take care of um, Liz as well, adding more, that just makes me think, is this feud with the Macho Man over? Well, I don't, I don't see how it can be because we know we're going to go to something with Piper eventually. Yeah. But... I mean, for those who are unaware of the timeline, and I apologise if it's a spoiler for anyone who's not watched WWE before, but we, that, that's not going to happen until Starcade. So we've got a long way till Starcade, and there's going to be interactions between the two, of course, but that's the way it is. Luger, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Luger. He's got this momentum behind him. I think if you feed Luger to Hogan now, Hogan naturally will beat him because we're building to Piper. So that would be a shame to ruin the momentum Luger's got. So that needs to be put on the back burner and saved. Sting's not ready for anything like this yet. We've still got the mysterious Sting character. So all we're left with really is Savage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we pretty much are. Mm, They're going to have to create a challenger from somewhere. We will have to see. Ah, there we go then. A very, very odd mixed bag episode of Nitro. But I suppose the best way of uh, giving our opinions in a way of summary would be to give our plus points and our negatives our woos and our own brothers and our final thoughts danny brother 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 brothers brother brother what are you thinking well um i was want to hear your take first si um very interested to see what what you rate this show okay okay fair enough Uh, my oh brother this week is the hogan stuff at the end yeah just completely fucking pointless other than trying to get hogan (laughs) on the show absolutely yeah. pointless it, nothing was ventured nothing was gained nothing nothing was worthwhile seeing him and going off air of him just posing it was a case of well this is the first maybe not the first time because we had the piper stuff on like before but yeah. this is the first time hogan nwo the black and white and so on i've looked at it and thought oh get off my telly this is this is shit mm. and that's a real shame what's your yeah. old brother this week my brother is um, no follow-up from Roddy Piper. I know the announcers tried their best. They did the whole bait-and-switch thing and saying, oh, we're going to see something later. But I I remember when we was discussing Halloween Havoc um, recording this uh, last week, so I, and I was like, as soon as I get off of this call, I'm going to go and watch Nitro. Uh, because I was expecting Roddy Piper to open the show and be like, and just run a bit more, but probably in a better direction but the fact that we didn't see him it was a bit disappointing for me so yeah it, it it's going to be drawn out a little bit i think they're going to negotiate with piper and all that sort of storyline nonsense but <laughs> it, again to me that's 
that's what you're used to by watching WWE so much. Yes. You know, yeah. I'm not saying this is a positive or a negative, but by all means, you know, but it is that thing of it's <sighs> WWE wouldn't allow this to happen. It wouldn't allow it to be a case of you, you're spot on Piper. If this was a WWE Monday Night Raw from 96 and you had the, the whole situation reversed, Piper would open the following Monday Night yeah. Raw. So, yeah, you're absolutely right on that point. Uh, okay. Woo, for me, my plus point is Sting. He did absolutely nothing but sit there and stand there. And he was still more impactful than anyone else on the whole episode of, of Nitro. Yeah, yeah, fully agreed, mate. Um, that would be mine as well, Sting. Um, it was more so the Sting Lex Luger uh, interaction because it just made it, it was the only. Well, yeah, it was the only time in this episode that I stood up and I was like, oh, I really want to see what happens there now. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so, overall, hit, miss or middling? It's going to have to be a middle one for me. Um, so this was just, yeah. I mean, there, there were some great story arcs added to, in this um in this episode, but there was a lot of matches that looked like they belonged on pro, not even Saturday night. It was just pro matches, but yeah, it was being middle for me, mate. How about yourself? Yeah. Same for me. Same for me. It's a middle. There were good, there were good moments. There were good. There was plus points. There was good moments, but there was a lot that was a mess as well. So middle is, is really, I suppose the fairest description we can give it so there we go danny that's it for this week's nitro a very average mixed bag of a show good points bad points weird stuff as well but i suppose it wouldn't be wcw if we didn't get a little bit of weirdness would it no it certainly wouldn't (laughs) no there we go would you now like to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online and all the great content you're involved in my friend Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Me podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty, Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where hopefully Roddy Piper will show up for me inside as we talk about natural nights. <laughs> I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, anything I'm involved <laughs> in, you can find via the network that carries this show. So you need to be searching out at SJP World Media on Facebook, Twitter, and all your podcast players, platforms, and providers. And we have loads of live content on YouTube, Twitch, and our Facebook group as well. Looking at uh, well, you know, wrestling, football, uh, television, gaming, all sorts of live content there. So make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel so you never miss a live show when it begins. And also make sure you are following and subscribed to SJP World Media on your podcast players so you don't miss an episode of any show we have when it drops on the main feed. But you can also follow this show itself, and it's got its own channel, its own feed via SJP World Media 2, and you can find all of that on Facebook, Twitter, and all your podcast players at Nitro underscore Nights. That's at Nitro underscore Nights. Danny, I'd like to say this was a blast. But it wasn't quite, was it? It certainly wasn't. But uh, this normally happens where we have one bad episode or middle episode, and then the next week we'll just we'll just be sitting here marking out of the last episode we've just reviewed. <laughs> well, there you go. You've already filled me with optimism. I hope that you're not going to let me down now, and we end up watching something crap. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you next week, my friend. 
Take care, mate. To everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.